Today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we talk about symbology in the Bible, um, drawing conclusions based on shapes or numbers or numerology and things like that, which um, I'm like, I'm not a fan of. I don't think that's great. Let's talk to someone else who may be more sympathetic to that. And they're like, no, it's witchcraft and sorcery. I'm like, oh, wow, who would have thought I'd take the lighter approach to that? Anyway, I agree with that. Like, I mean, maybe it's not outright sorcery and witchcraft, but I mean, it's, it's heading in that direction. So by the time you start linking things together, that is just like the Bible doesn't, like there's symbology in the Bible. There's plenty of symbology, but it's express, expressly written in the Bible, like the symbology of the ten horns in Revelation, um, you know, the crowns, the nations, uh, prophecies from Daniel. So, I mean, there is plenty of symbology. Like even we talk about later on, like Moses striking the rock is symbolic, I believe, of Jesus being crushed and, uh, you know, crushed on the cross and being stricken. Um, and out of that, waters of eternal life, uh, you know, streams of living water flow, um, for example. So, I, I mean, there's plenty of symbology in the Bible. But when people start harping on numbers, like, you know, four means this, and, you know, or like David had five stones, and five mean, represents this. No, it doesn't. It means a stone. He picked up five stones. Five means five stones. Um, and like the Ark of the Covenant, that's the example. Like, well, there's this many points, and there's this many cubits, and this means this from the New Testament. This is how many apostles. This is why there was this. It's like, I think that's very sketchy. At, at best, sketchy, at worst, uh, heading in a very bad direction um, away from Christ when you start, like, getting into, like, numbers and symbology that the Bible does not talk about. Anyway, <clears throat> drawing weird conclusions based on that. Then we talk, uh, it's like an Ask a Muslim debate or whatever, even though we try not to. We just try to help this guy see. And, look, I am not perfect. Did anyone have a question? Sorry to let you down. But Christians have... And, you know, especially in our room, the Christians on stage have a very specific way we understand Christianity. Jesus is God. Jesus is not just a man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He died for our sins for whosoever will. If you're a whosoever will, he died for you. You can become a whosoever will. Repent. Stop doing what you know is wrong. Go the other direction. Ask Jesus to save you, forgive you, give you eternal life that he will freely give to anyone who asks him for it. And humbly, sincerely believe that. Ask him to make you born again and make you spiritually alive. The Holy Spirit will dwell with you and guide you into truth and understanding. That's what we believe. So it's like, look, if someone has that understanding, they're like, I hear everything you said. I just don't believe it. Well, you should. But if you don't, disagree with that. Don't like build a straw man of what I said and say, oh, Jesus crucified. Jesus was walking around on earth. That means Jesus is only a man. Oh, why do you pray to a man? Why do you sacrifice a man? It's like, bro, Jesus is God, fully God and also fully man. It is a difference. It's not just like you are only a dude. It's like Jesus was a man and fully God. Anyway, so um, if you're going to disagree, at least know what you're disagreeing with. Um, God help them all. Then, apparently, I I go on a conspiratorial rant, which I thought was reasonable. Um, it wasn't to show what I think is going to happen. It was just to show how absurd we get when we start talking about things um, and, and where it could go. So, anyway, the idea was to make people withhold judgment instead of talking, like, way far away about stuff. But, um, apparently, people are like, whoa the tinfoil. Uh, then we bring it back and talk about more Muslim straw men because that is the conversation of the day. And it ends with me leaving my own room 
<laughs> because we, people are asking, like, how do you pray? How do you pray? And this is Muslim asking a Christian. Um, spoiler alert, there is no certain physical posture to pray. He's like, well, these Christians stand up. These Christians kneel down. How do you pray? Is it incorrect prayer? Is such a rigid, like, rigid, systematic way of thinking which is so contrary to Christianity. It's like it's like the Pharisees, man. I keep saying there is no practical difference between Christians, Christ followers, born-again believers in Jesus, and the rest of the world. It's like Catholicism. If you're Christian and not Catholic, you're automatically Protestant. If you're uh, not if you're not a Christian, you're automatically a Pharisee. There is no Hindu, there is no Buddhist, there is no atheist, there is no Muslim. For Of course, there are these titles, but for practical application, when Christians talk to all of these other people, they focus so stringently on the jots and tittles of the law, of the scripture. They completely miss the forest of Jesus for the trees of synonyms and commas and grammar and punctuation. And it's like, oh my goodness, like stop your hang up. Like disagree that Jesus is God. Disagree with the resurrection. I mean, you shouldn't, but if you're going to disagree, at least disagree with a point we actually make, not because you're focusing on a jot and tittle and be like, oh, well, you know, this word um, is, or this sentence is phrased this way. And therefore this is my understanding. And I'm now teaching Christians about their own Bible. It's like, Good Lord. Oh, repent and believe the gospel. So anyways, that's exactly the kind of stuff the Pharisees did with the scrolls and the scriptures, and they completely missed Jesus right in front of them so much to say he was doing his miracles by the power of Satan, by Beelzebub. And coincidentally, they completed, com, uh, committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that is not good. Don't do that. Um, I mean, someone say you can't in 2023. Anyways, d- just stay away from it. The point is, don't be a Pharisee, um, which means be a Christian, because if you're not a Christian... For practical, all intents and purposes, you are a Pharisee because you do exactly what they did. Anyway, take care and check out the Ask a Christian book if you like. And support this ministry, support this podcast, sharing the gospel, the biblically accurate gospel of what Christianity actually is and what we actually believe and how you can have an eternal relationship with the creator of the universe at any time you become a whosoever will repent and believe and ask Jesus for eternal life and forgiveness and being born again. Congratulations. Anyways, uh, also check out the Ask a Christian store, Ask a Christian store. I'm talking like the Micro Machines guy. Um, And you can grab a coffee cup, mouse pad. We even have t-shirts that fit animals. Like, get a little doggy t-shirt with a little Ask a Christian thing on it. So you can support this podcast. We appreciate everything you do. And share these links. Good day. Um, I was listening to a person, another person, Christian, adding up numbers is hard. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Uh, Like adding up the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant and then coming up with numbers. I felt uncomfortable with that, and I left the room. Uh, is that a like a normal practice to do it? Uh, for instance, how big is the ark? So you add up all the numbers, and let's say you come up with twelve, and it's like, oh, Eureka! Twelve apostles. What? What do you think about doing that? Um, I don't know exactly. Well, let's back up a bit. Okay, so this guy was adding up numbers, and the reason you felt uncomfortable is probably not math. So is it because they were? They were like adding up the numbers of like some Old Testament thing and then equating that to some new, te- some Correct. other spiritual practice. Or- Correct. Oh, <clears throat> oh, okay. Right. Like, yeah, like I'm just imagining like 
you know, it rained for 40 days in the flood, therefore, you know, 40 days of something else, like that type thing. Yes. Uh, no, I think like, I, I mean, nothing comes to mind, but I'm just going to say, I mean, there will be different symbols here and there in the Bible. Um, I, I don't know. Let's just be generous and say like there may be like two or three times where that's appropriate because like the text like directly says this is a prophecy or this will happen, which is really not what we're talking about. But no, when people do that, like, oh, oh here's one like uh, David and Goliath. Like one time I heard this pastor give a whole sermon. <clears throat> oh, gosh, maybe it was Mark. Maybe it was Pastor Mark down there telling us about someone else who was giving a sermon. I remember this somehow. Someone was telling us about this pastor was. Um, giving the story of David and Goliath, and they were saying, and David took, like, what was it, five stones from the riverbed, and, you know, this stone represents this, and this stone represents this, and he was assigning, like, symbology and representation for each stone, and it's like, okay, well, I mean, it's it's clever to build a sermon, but, I mean, it was just a rock. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I, I I don't like that. I mean, you know, if the Bible is silent, we should be silent, so, you know, if, if the Bible says, like, you know, like, uh, you know, the tin horns and revelation, stuff like that. I get it. There's a time and a place. But if people were just like, you know, coming up with cubits of the ark or like dimensions of the uh, the boat or the ark of the covenant or whatever, and then assigning that to other things where the Bible makes no such inference. Yeah, I, I am equally uncomfortable with that. How about you, Chris? You're I mean, I, well, hang on. Let's let's give someone else a chance. I know you're you're definitely not about that. That's going to be funny. But um Apostle, I don't know. Maybe you and Edwin would be more about that than Chris would be. Not even the, not even close. Not even close. That's, but but closer than Chris. Of, <laughs> no, definitely not closer than Chris. No. Um, but straight up numerology, I think there's a lot of you know. I don't even like the whole hey, you know, 2020. It's the year of clear vision. That stuff gets under my skin. It's so bad. It's so bad. And. So I think that there are significances in numbers, not the book, but in actual numbers in the Bible. But as you said, only to the degree in which the author, whoever wrote it, um, explicitly or at least implicitly, and it's got to be an obvious implication, right, um, talks about the significance of that number, right, you know, like, okay, 12 is going to be used in several senses or whatever. You know, Judas gets, you know, replaced so that there could be 12 witnesses to the resurrection. There's 12 foundational stones, uh, or 12 foundations in Jerusalem. There's 12 gates that, you know, and, it, you know, for each of the 12 tribes, well, it's telling you that the, the gates correspond with the number of tribes. And the 12 foundations are for the 12 apostles minus Judas replaced with Matthias. Okay, so there is a direct, implicit, you know, significance there. But saying it's, it's, people, it never stays. I know it sounds like I'm rambling, but the problem that I have is that it never stays with what the author's intent is. It always goes into some other very mystical, astrological, or numerological, like, hogwash foolishness that ends up being witchcraft. Right? And I think that's indicative of the straight up agency of where it is. Where is it coming <laughs> Tell from? Tell us how you really that's... feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, Dang, it's I should have gone for I should have gone to Chris first. I was looking for someone to be to be more sympathetic just to give us another side, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I'm I'm with you. Because it's like, oh yeah, so you go from that to well when you see the number seven on a clock, you know, if it's seven oh seven, 
right? Ooh, well, that must mean God's about to do something perfect and complete in, in, in my life. Oh, like, oh my God. What do you say? That, that's the application. It becomes, oh, this is not just something significant we see in Scripture, but now I want to use this as a way of divining is what it ends up being. It's dangerous. When it's 333, ooh, that means the Trinity is at work in my life. It's 333. Oh, my goodness. That is, oh, yeah, it's, you'll have to... Post a Facebook so, meme like God's about to do something. Like, here's my cash app. Hey, yeah. Nate. Yeah, Nate. Um, well, what are your thoughts on, let's say, the number 40? For example, I've heard some people say, okay, when Jesus was tested in the wilderness for 40 days, they link that to the Jews wandering the wilderness for 40 years. Some people will say 40 represents testing. Now, any thoughts on that? I mean, you see, like, maybe a pattern in the Bible where a number is used and it's associated with some kind of experience. Do you think there's any validity to that? Anyone have any thoughts? I think what Marquis said. <laughs> I, I think people are, are trying to make leaps where they should not. Um, <clears throat> again, like the closest you're going to get would be like, I don't know, some something in Revelation where it's like, you know, the ten horns or something or symbolic of something. But that's like wholly different than being like, well, the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant mean this for whatever Joanna was saying or the 40 years and the 40 days. You know, because why not link that? I mean, 40. If 40 is testing, it's like, you know, you may as well just go ahead and, okay, 40 years in the desert, 40 days, Jesus in the wilderness. Well, 40 days it rained in Noah's Ark. So, you know, if we're going to throw in 40s, like, go ahead and throw in Noah's Ark. Why wouldn't we? Um, so, no, I, I'm I'm not a fan of that. I, I just like to, to stick to the Bible. And, you know, we see that, right? Like, the further away from we get in the Bible, even maybe in good faith, the further away you get in these, like, weird kind of theories and ideas, and then mm -hmm. it becomes your pet project. And the last thing that person ever talks about again is the gospel. Okay. Uh, like, okay, well, here's, here's an example. Like, and by the way, Marquise, your, your microphone, we heard everything you said, but it was really staticky. So I don't know if there's a way to fix that. But um, anyway, so like, I, the, yesterday this happened. <clears throat> I, was doing some, uh, I was doing some work for like a gold company and um, like a, a website stuff, uh, precious metals thing. Anyway, so I was given you this name of a person. You got some gold to share, Nate? I don't have any of that. I'm, I'm scraping by for peanuts. I was just like redesigning a website. Uh, anyways, so I, I was given some names of people to like look up who are like supposedly authorities in the field. So I start looking them up and there's this one, one or two, I think like one main guy, or maybe it's like an unholy trinity, maybe it's three. Anyways, there, I, I kept finding these recurring videos of like these couple people who are supposed to be like precious metals experts, but apparently they were like sort of Christians too. Um, well, I started watching a couple videos because, you know, I had to like, you know, research them, which, well, <clears throat> I did. And it's like they were on all these shows like Chris probably knows the titles with like prophetesses, prophetesses and things like that. And they're like, OK, so tell us about the gold and, you know, the coming collapse of the nation and, you know, what God wants for your wealth building uh, in prophecy. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, and they like started talking about it. and like the titles of some of these things, because, you know, I couldn't bear to keep listening. I mean, these things are like hours long. And it was like, you know, uh, God's prophecy for your wealth in the uh, like tribulation and just like wild stuff. I'm like, that's what happens. Like, I wonder if they started out in school thinking, oh, I'll just put my faith in Jesus. And at some point they started like connecting dots like that. And it's like, oh, I see like, you know, how God talks about interest and for the Jewish people and how they should not charge interest to their own people. And, you know, from there they go deeper and then they start like connecting other dots and they start getting like mysteries revealed to them. And now they're talking about like, you know, end times prophecy, not 
winning souls for Jesus, but how apparently you can build your nest egg while the world is running from demons. Um, anyway, wait, 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 let's go back to Joanna real fast. And she's the one that asked this thing. Joanna, has anything we've said here been uh, helpful or what you were looking for or wanted commentary on? Uh, yeah, I appreciate everyone's answer. Um, I mean, I like gematria and that is something, you know, well-known, but that's different. Um, so yes, I think I'm just going with asking between asking you and what my spirit tells me. So I did not feel comfortable in my spirit um, with adding up, you know, cubits and feet and then saying, oh, that's this and that. So I would probably you. agree with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, and thank you really for always allowing me to ask questions here because, you know, other rooms are busy or whatever it is. And, and sometimes for hours I never get to come up. So I, it, it, I have to say thank you because sometimes I have a pressing something pressing on my heart and it's nice to know I could come here. You know, I, I, I wonder, uh, Nate, do you have, uh, or does anybody have any perspective on why people do this? Like, why do you get so desperate for meaning that you try to find it in these sort of ways? I got something. And I also wanted to respond to uh, Edrin's, uh, his, his question, as far as, you know, the, the 40 and the 40. Um, but I don't know if you want to get to other people off. on the stage. Right. Uh, yeah, go uh, ahead and respond, and then we'll see what's up with the other people. All right. Um, what's up, Sean, again? And Zach, what's up? Um, so this is this is what I'd say. Um, concerning Edwin's first question as far as those things, I don't necessarily see a problem in examining them thematically, right? If there is like a parallel theme between the 40 years that – you know, uh, uh, the Israelites wander the desert and the 40 days that Jesus is tempted, right? If you want to establish a parallel theme, you know, from a literary perspective, we know you have, it's, it's literally, it's parallelism. And there's a, there's sort of a, a testing or, you know, you have this temptation and where the Israelites failed with the law, Jesus succeeds in uh, um, resisting the, the, the devil and temptation and worshiping other gods. And those kinds of things, he succeeds where the where the Israelites fail. I wouldn't mind teaching that thematically as a parallel, you know, to have either a better understanding of the forty year, you know, uh, uh, wilderness experience of the Jews, or the the, the forty day fasting and a temptation of of Christ. But I would never say that that means that forty represents this because that's not something that we would deduce from Scripture logically. That would be a hasty generalization fallacy where we have a very small bit of evidence and we're making a logical leap. That's not rational thinking. That's not how you would, I think, read any text, even if you were going to try to find symbolism in it. You can establish a theme. Uh-oh, Marquise, you're uh, chopping up pretty bad. Uh while you find more signals. Yeah, we'll give you a minute. Every time we say that, we, we go back and forth. So we're just going to give you a little bit to try to reestablish your connection. But uh, Sean, good morning. If you're speaking, three, two, one. Zach, what's up, Zach? How is your day going? Yo, it's going great. Good morning, guys. Um, 
I've been looking into like idolatry in the Old Testament, and I wanted to hear a couple of like different perspectives. I'm, I'm coming to my own conclusions, but I'm not all the way there yet. So um, we see God's like uh, Moloch in the Old Testament. Um, and to my understanding, uh, this, this idol in particular uh, transcends multiple cultures, like we see it present in different places. So I was wondering, is there like a, a significance to the different names that each body of people gives to this, what would seem to be same God? For example, with Moloch, we have Milcom, uh, Adramalek, and um, Anamalek or something like that. Um, so I was just wondering if there was like a significance to like the, the changing of the names. You know, off the top of my signal clear. Off the off the top, hang on. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, but it would not surprise me if people who, like, I, I think there are specific entities, like, like you know, specific, I don't know, demon gods or whatever. Like, if you want to say like Ball, and then you know, people in a different region or over hundreds hundreds of years could very well be worshiping that entity Ball, but calling him by a different name, but also. I think there could be, you know, different, you know, demonic entities or what they call gods they're worshiping that are different. So I guess I, I guess both is just my kind of uneducated guess that uh, throughout history, like right now, like what just happened at Burning Man, like, you know, how it's like set up as kind of like a mock sacrifice and stuff like that. Like, you know, a bunch of like, you know, uh, artists on acid could be, uh, you know, doing their mock sacrifice to Moloch, having no idea what they're doing. And they're calling it Burning Man. So, I mean, you know, doing different things could very well be attributed to the same demonic entity or God. Uh, but there's also, you know, different ones like that. So, yes and no. <laughs> uh, Marquise, you want to try? Yeah, no, I would I would, I would have said the same thing. Um, you know, it's going to be, especially when they're having like the, they're, they're having similar origins um, or the same powers, same elements that they are in charge over or that they govern. You know, um, you'll see stuff like that. And even in the New Testament, you'll see um, the church in Corinth and the church in Ephesus. Uh, believers were contending with people from either the cult of um, Artemis or, you know, they call her Daphne in, in Corinth. They call her Daphne in Ephesus. They call her Artemis. But it's literally the same deity that they're worshiping, which is requiring like the same sort of things from them. And it just might be simply different cultures you know, giving different nomenclature or terminology to that same demonic force. Um, and yeah, sure, it could be a different demon masquerading as a similar female looking goddess. That's that's a total thing. Um, but yeah, I think I think, you know, I agree with Nate. I'm just saying that you, you see it not just in the Old Testament. And he gave a, a modern day example, a potential example. Uh, but you see it in the New Testament, too. Same sort of situation. Um yeah. Uh, Nate, what was the other question I was I was responding to? I think I think you got you guys got most of what I was saying towards Edrin, um, as far as the. I think you were saying stuff. how, yeah, how you didn't really see a problem with some of the stuff, like you know the forty days or something like that, um, for some reason. But it was it was like a split between like what joanna's problem was which was what you were like no 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 and like everyone was like no 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 it was like um a split between the 40 days and that that you were you were saying you don't have a problem with certain aspects of doing that right so so the short version is 
if you want to teach it from a, a, a literary perspective and focus on thematic parallels, is what we would call it in literature, in literary analysis, we would call it thematic parallels. It doesn't alter the meaning of either of those. It just helps in understanding each of them distinctively in light of a parallel situation that is uh, has striking enough resemblance to maybe offer insight into its opposite. So it's studied two things being studied at the same time, but you're not saying that these two things are the one thing. You're saying these two things are alike enough that studying one may provide insight into the other. But they're still distinct That makes things. sense. Right. So it's a theme. There may be a shared theme of testing, but I wouldn't ever say 40 represents testing because then you combine both of those as if they mean the same thing. And that's not true. Um, so that's that's where I'd uh, I draw that that line there. And then real quick to to CEO's question as far as um, why people do it. Um, if you if you Google right the most basic definition of magic, even if you want to throw the extra K on there at the end to be super fancy and old school. <laughs> Right. Um, to be like Crowleyan. <laughs> right. Um, if you want to look at the, the oldest or the most basic fundamental definition, the definition of magic is controlling the natural world by supernatural means. Basically what it comes down to, controlling the natural world by supernatural means. I think that for all the you know, separation. Oh, so you're saying, so you're is. saying it's a control mechanism. It's someone's need yes. to control. Okay. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of Absolutely. Well, it, and it's, well, yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, like the whole numerology thing, like it, it weirds me out. Like I'm, I'm definitely on Joe and his page on that. Like, you know, when people will say like, you know, like six re represents the number of man and seven is the, the, the perfect number. And eight is the like, you know, infinity or circulation or whatever. And like, you know, four is the number of like connection and new beginnings. And it's like, Every time, like, yeah, like Marquise was saying, if you see, like, it, or someone was saying, was it Marquise? Like, if you start seeing, like, oh, it's four o'clock. Oh, I need to start looking around this cloud of people because four is a number of perfect connection. That means I'm going to make a new friend today. It's like, well, what's your faith in? Like, some weird numerology derived from, like, quasi-biblical stuff? Or is it like, you know, God knows what you need before you even ask, right? So, like, you, you only need to pray about so much. Like, you don't need to tell God, like, hey, God, you know, a job would be super great. It's like, hey, God, I need a you know job at this place, this company, on this floor, in this office with this number. Like, bro, we get it. God knows exactly what you want. So, we, you know, God, you know, provision will be super great. Help a guy out. For example, like, it's not like you need to be so specific in, in letting God know what you want. He already knows. So, like, the general, like, you know, gratitude and supplication, like, you know, God, thank you for this, you know, provision, stuff like that. I mean, that's part of, like, you know, that's, like, one of the meanings of salvation, right? It's like, I forget the terminology, but it's it's like, provision and contentment not like wealth not like prosperity stuff like that but it's like whatever you do have you'll have like like for food for shelter for like contentment so even if you don't have as much with the joneses you are content and at rest in your soul like that's one of the thing parts of like salvation um so there's like five four or five meanings of it like one deals with like the eternal aspects but like the others like deal with like physical natural stuff um anyways but what was the point I really want to make? But yeah, so it's back to the perfect friend thing. It's like, should you be looking at like a, a sundial to be like, oh, it's two o'clock. Two means, uh, you know, the disciples were sent out two by two. So I need my disciple uh, brother to go with. I mean, you know, it's not a bad idea, like to go out in pairs doing stuff. But I mean, to derive that and say it's like as a fact, um, that's weird, man. It's like, 
how about you just pray for God and let God take it? Like, you know, appeal to God, not numbers. So it's like, hey, God, let's what, uh, you know, like, give me, give me help in this area. And if God, like, you know, someone shows up at your door, it's like, oh, sweet, God did that. Not like number two did that. And yeah, that's exact. That's exactly what I'd say, Nate. It ends up being, you know, a form of witchcraft. That's what I'd call it. I, you know, because I don't care about being inflammatory. <laughs> um, so I think it ends up being a form of witchcraft um, that people can overlay, you know, the nicer and more acceptable themes of Christianity over, right? Because then it ends up being like people start cutting up their lives into seven year increments to say, oh, because seven <laughs> is the number of perfection and completion in the Bible, then I, I want to start tracking which season of life I'm in because I'm going to have a seven year season of this. When even biblically, it's in, it's in, if you're going to do that in increments, it's going to be in years of 10, you know, it, it's not, it's going to, it's not going to be that, you know, but, but people will take, it, it ends up being confirmation bias. It's not based on any form of rational thought it's not something they ever did in scripture uh beyond like keeping with the holy days and knowing what season they were in in their calendar based on which days god told them to celebrate so it's very intentional they don't have to guess it's not calculative god tells them hey around this time of the year celebrate this for this reason and then they do it and they keep those holy days and that's under the law but it sort of ends up being inventive you know, and and it ends up being a way that people attempt to manipulate God or control their lives in a predictable manner. And then, you know, oh, the reasons, it just very pa closely parallels a lot of the new age stuff, voodoo, a lot of those things. People will yeah. practice voodoo in Louisiana, but go to church on Sunday because they feel like, well, this is just a way to engage and interact with the spiritual world. Through numbers, through roots, through incense. Yeah. Well, we saw yeah, that. Well, we saw that well, was well, that, well, right? That's that's something. Well, that's something else I forgot to say. It's it's kind of like a, a can get to like selfish and greed. Even though you know they may be the most generous, caring people, like there's like tinges or like a spirit of that attached because it's like what purpose do you have in like numerology or this stuff? It's like it's to get something. Like what are you getting? It's like to get relationships, to get wealth, to get power, to get money. It's like, so why do you need that? It's like, you know, why don't you be happy of the greatest thing you've got, which is salvation, and then be like, great, thank you, God. Now, whatever, you know, you choose to, you know, do for my life, I will be grateful and thankful. I don't need to, like, you know, beat the system or beat the universal laws or something like that. I don't need to, like, get and gain and get because there's no, like, I, I've never heard anyone talking about numerology in, in an attempt to, like, you know, be generous and giving. It's always about, like, how I can get my business up and running, how I can get more wealth, how I can get, how I can get something. It, it just, I don't know. It just, it's just, yeah, it's like an icky feeling. Uh, what CEO? Oh, that, that's a good point, Nate. Um, I was just going to say um, that we saw this with Sal, right? He turned to this because he was trying to get something. With who, who what, who? Remember he went to the witch. He was trying oh, to. Summon oh, so King Samuel. Saul. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he was trying – what was he trying to gain power again or something? I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think was – it, was it Nathan prophesied that he was going to be replaced or something and, and Saul didn't like that or went to get a second yes, thing? Yes, it was something that. like that. Yes, correct. Well, anyone have anything else to say on that? Sean, are you speaking? Are you uh, probably trucking down the road? 
Good morning, Mr. Bill. V, hello, Selena. If any of you would like to say anything, jump on up. I think that topic may have ran its course. We may be looking for something else. Uh, yes, Bob, Saul went to Samuel. We, we got that part right. Uh, Zach, yes. anything else on your mind? Um, I, I keep seeing weird questions in um, my hallway, and I'm just going to throw some of them out there to let you guys know um, what I see. The first one is, are Somalis black? The second one is, should black people rebrand as white people? Um, <laughs> I'm not going to read the rest of them because they're quite inappropriate. But um, no, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. I'm going to keep saving the scriptures to see if I can find like a, um, like to, to come to a conclusion on the question that I asked earlier. So far, what I've gotten is that um, these quote-unquote same gods or entities um, being given the different names. Uh, you sound very echoey and far off. Yeah, it's because I'm in like this, uh, one second, I'm in a room with a great echo. The great echoing. Yeah, these entities are given different names, which one is a result of like uh, cultural diffusion but also a representation of the different operation that they have within these cultures. Um, some cultures were dealing with like the child sacrifice and then some cultures were not dealing with child sacrifice, but they were dealing with things like uh, fornication and, and like great sexual immorality. And then other countries would be dealing with like poverty, but they're still worshiping these same um or appearing to be same God. So I just think that the names would be a representation of like different operations of said um, entity. And I kind of like akin it in, in like a very loose way to uh, Saul's conversion to Paul um, because his name didn't change, but um, he was referenced by something different um, in a different culture with a different identity. Um, so that's kind of like how I'm, I'm drawing the conclusion. Well, to answer your earlier questions, let's say, uh, are all Somalis black? In the history of Somalia, there has to be at least one citizen born in Somalia that was not black. There just has to be. And should black people rebrand themselves as white people? Um, that'd be interesting because I think for the longest time, white people have tried to rebrand themselves as black people. If you look at like things like Rachel Dolezal and Dolezal, Dolezal, Dar, whatever, like the white woman that got dreads and cornrows and like got the, uh, um, it was like one of the ranking members of like the, the black organization and until they outed her. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we have a history of going the other way. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, hey. as a branding expert in the room, I'm going to say no. <laughs> hey, Yvette, been a while. Oh, Felix. None of you all want to speak, man. I, I invite like. I, 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 I'm don't, sorry. Don't I'm be, sorry. To, I was on another call. Yeah, yeah. I want to say, Bob. I don't mean to be overly mean to you, but yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes we let you up for fun when it's not about spiritual stuff. But I mean, you know, to have you, to have you preach or teach or say anything about, uh, you know, the Bible that is just 
heresy. I don't, I don't want to give that a platform. So anyway, <clears throat> but I mean, they may be forcing my hand because no one else wants to speak except what, what's up, Sean. What's going on, Nate and everyone else in the room. Hallelujah. My brother, Apostle Marquise, your brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, I, I went back. I'm sorry. I went way back in the eighties. Um, uh, what I what I what I'm hearing is that we want to talk about everything but the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. It seems to me, but Nate, I I understand. You say repent, believe the gospel. That's your message. Praise God that God gave you a message. But I I would I'd like to hear a little bit more about when people would speak on the full gospel. Not only the death, burial, and resurrection, but the ascension as well as the second coming. So I think the whole full spectrum can be covered. What do you think well, about... Speak on it. Pardon? Speak on it. Ah. Well, we understand without First uh, Corinthians 15 which says without the resurrection and we don't normally hear till around uh, resurrection weekend without the resurrection our faith is in vain but, and we are the most pitiable of, among all men but now is Christ risen from the dead but then when we talk about the ascension of Christ when we talk about the ascension of Christ we're, we're dealing with a portion that we really don't talk about much in the church except for, you know, we around Resurrection Weekend. But without the Ascension, Ephesians 2 could not be fulfilled. Which says what? We are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. So, And then uh, Ephesians 4 could not be fulfilled as well. When we deal with that, it says what? When he ascended on he gave gifts unto me. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting or equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So without the ascension, none of this could take place. And finally, of course, the second coming. Some folks are pre-trib. Post trip, mid trip, a millennial, post millennial, pre millennial, and these are the secondary issues. But it's all part of the second coming. Without the second coming, our faith is in vain as well. Because without the second coming, Christ's return, and we're looking forward to that day. So we just prepare like any, he can come anytime, and we're seeing a lot of the scriptures fulfill the the. Uh, Israel recognizes a nation in, in the 1940s. This, the uh, Six Day War in the 19 in 19 in the 1960s, when Moshe Dayan got to the Willing Wall in the old Jerusalem, old city of Jerusalem, and, and began to weep and said, "We have returned to our most holiest of places, never to leave again." All the the time clock has been ticking. And I believe we're a lot closer. Anybody else want to say something? Because I'm done. 
I believe we are close. Don't know when, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. You know, we know the signs and I mean, <clears throat> everyone's had their signs and seasons in the history of the world, but goodness in my lifetime, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sure people have said it before, but I mean, really in my lifetime, it's never, never looked more um, like that season than, uh, you know, every day after the next day, tomorrow will probably be more like that. Six months from now, we'll probably be more like that. So we'll just see. Uh, Islamic, what's up? Hey, how's it going? So far, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to, uh, I was, uh, I opened up the a room the other day, uh, specifically talking about, you know, the biblical Jesus. And uh, I kind of wanted to get your take on it. Um, so saying that <clears throat> the, uh, the biblical Jesus, you know, he, he was sinless. Um, and then he had the sins of man put on him. So um, he was found, so Jesus was found guilty of the sin of man. Is that correct? Well, they crucified him for blasphemy. If that's what you're asking. Uh, well, uh, I'm asking if, uh, if God punished Jesus for the sins of man. Yes. Every sin was laid on him. Is how that he goes. wasn't found uh, guilty, though. This is where so, your premise is wrong. He was not found guilty. Hold on, let me he just... took uh, on the cup of wrath. So I caught that, that you said he was found guilty. No, he wasn't found guilty. Yeah, and, and I, guilty. I mean... Yeah, I mean, for the record, like, if we're doing, like, war games and not having honest conversation, then I'm not responsible. So someone's like, well, you, you know, would say... Oh, see, this Christian said Jesus found guilty. Well, you know, congratulations, you're a liar. Not you, but whoever would do that. But yeah, so what Will Deer says, right? Yeah, I'm like not looking spotless, to play. So like the spotless lamb that had no sin, fulfilled every law perfectly, um, he bore the guilt uh, for the sins of humanity. Correct. But he himself was innocent. Right, right. So, um, so did God punish Jesus <clears throat> with his wrath? Yeah, so, I think the specific verse is like the wrath of God was poured out on him. Is that right, little dear? Mm -hmm. Yep, but but he also took it upon himself. He came to serve, not be served. So he could take on, you know, it, and redeem all of mankind. It wasn't like God said, the Father said to him, you're going to go down and do this. No, Christ offered himself as the servant so um well just actually what you just said there i feel like jesus words contradict what you just said um uh, so jesus feel? said in the garden hold on let me just make my case uh so jesus said in the garden of gethsemane he was sweating blood jesus was sweating blood and then he said father if um if it is possible take this cup away from me right so he's he's saying nevertheless not as i will but as you will so jesus is saying that his will would be to get this cup being taken away from him while god's will is to carry out this punishment of jesus so jesus clearly is not willing well, right he, wait, he, that's why he separated the two wills can you answer this for us then? So if you continue reading right around that part, um, right around those verses, 
he also says, you know, how no one takes his life. He willingly lays it down, and he also has the power to take it up again, something only God can do, by the way. Um, and he also says how he could call legions of angels to basically wreck everyone around him, but he doesn't do that. So he aligns his will. So, like, you know, you have, like, a dual nature. You've got the humanity of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus, who says he's going to resurrect himself. And he's willingly laying down his life. So how do you reconcile all that? Because everything we're talking about is right around there. So on one hand, it, it seems very hard to make the case you would be where he says, not my will, but your will be done. It seems hard to make that case when right around that same context of verses, you have him saying, I can call angels and destroy everyone. And I, no one takes my life. I lay it down and I will pick it up again. So how do you get around that? Yeah, yeah, it seems that he went from being unwilling because he was praying and sweating blood, asking God to take it away from him. But then the verse you mentioned is, oh, no, now he's good with it. So it just seems very odd. You know, like his, he went from unwilling to willing, um, but he knew that this had to happen. Um, that's fine. Um, at the end, he became willing is what you're saying. So. Well, he was always ultimately going to be willing because, I mean, even if you look at Revelation, it talks about the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So it's not like, you know, Jesus came to earth and was like, oh, you want me to do what? It's like he always knew that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So just like the devil and devil and, uh, you know, the devil tempting him in the wilderness, like we talked about a little bit ago, like just because Jesus knew he was going to be tempted and come out the other side, it didn't make I, I'm sure I don't want to speak for Jesus, but I'm sure it didn't make being tempted fun. I'm sure like, you know, fasting and going hungry with his human flesh and bones was not fun. I'm sure Jesus is like, wow, I'd really like to eat something and feed this body. So, I mean, even though he knew it was going to happen, it doesn't mean that he still didn't go through it. So he knew that he was going to be like, well, you know, human me really doesn't want to, doesn't want to die. That's not fun. But I always know I'm going to go with it. And I always know this is the plan. Like Philippians 2, 6 says, you know, he, uh, he willingly being in very nature God humbled himself and took the form of a servant so like everything about the bible which i mean maybe that maybe maybe that's the answer right there like if i don't want to you know be like well you haven't read the bible but i mean you know that would be a reasonable reason why you've drawn this conclusion well because if you read yeah, the whole bible thought, it, it uh, speaks to this okay well just give one second so, so nate correct me if i'm wrong but I, I thought it wasn't uh jesus concern at death as much as it was that in the first time in eternity he got a the feeling of what it was like to be apt to not be connected to the father. So I thought it was that feeling that caused him to recoil. I believe that came on the cross when he says, you know, when he talks about why have you forsaken me? And but I, know, but I, I think, think he got a glimpse of it in the garden. I think he got like a, like that, that that's the way I was taught it, that he got his first glimpse of it in the garden. Yeah. Um, Perhaps. So, so I want uh, yeah, so, I mean, it would make sense that Jesus would pray for strength to get through it, but that's not what he prayed to God for. He prayed for God to take the cup away from him. So that would be, a, a, you know, inconsistent with, you know, kind of the inclusion you're drawing. But, I mean, I'll leave that alone. That's fine. Well, actually, um, I, got your, I got your take on it. That's what I wanted. Well, well, well actually, let's let's go a little bit further down that road. So, like, what would the implication be? Like, it's kind of rhetorical at this point. Like, don't answer yet, because I'm just thinking in my head. What is the implication? Is it that Jesus is not God because of that? Or, I, I, I mean, I guess that's the implication. Is like somehow then that means Jesus can't be God because there wouldn't be a contradiction. So either 
that's a part where our Bible is corrupt or Jesus isn't God. But then if you skip ahead, like no matter what you think about this, let's look at the resurrection. So like if all these eyewitnesses saw a resurrected Jesus come back to life and they're like, wow, my Lord and my God, and then they see him ascend up into heaven, obviously that would negate any contradiction claim or any problem there would be with your understanding of, you know, pre-crucifixion because what he said happened. Like lots of eyewitnesses saw him come back, live around them, eat fish with them, walk through walls and ascend up into heaven. So that right there would mean no matter what someone's understanding, if it's wrong or whatever about the Bible before the resurrection, after the resurrection happened, clearly he is divine. Clearly he is resurrected. And clearly there's no contradiction or no misunderstanding because the resurrection happened. So what would you think about that then? Yeah, yeah. So that's actually not the conclusion that I was trying to draw. Um, my my initial uh, intent was that it seems very odd that you know one of the greatest human beings that ever walked the earth is now going to be convicted of sin, um, has all his sin placed on him when he was sinless, and then he became a sinner because the sins were placed on him. Wait, and not then right he there, was though. punished. Wait, wait, hang on. Oh. I, I got to stop you right there because Will Deer already corrected you, which I agree with. He wasn't convicted of that. Like he went. Like the whole reason he, he found was up, found guilty of sin. No, the, the, hang on. The, the, you're talking about all the sin of mankind. The only reason he was on the cross is because he was accused of blasphemy. So unjustly, which, by the way, is was, the definition was of Jesus murder. a sin sacrifice. Yes, but that yeah. that means whenever. Right. But he didn't sin. So he was accused of blasphemy. Right. That means you're I, blaspheming I know, God. But I'm not asking. On, how. Hang on. There's a difference, though, and this is the whole problem. Like, it would have been easier to say, like, Jesus is not God or your Bible's corrupted. But when you try to say, like, he was convicted of sin, convicted doesn't mean anything. People are falsely accused and falsely convicted all the time. People have been falsely, con- uh, you know, put through the death penalty because of false convictions. So he was accused was Jesus of— falsely convicted? Okay, hang on. I'm trying to walk you through this. If Jesus is God, right, he does miracles, he raises people from the dead, then he is God. He cannot blaspheme himself. So if he's claiming to be God and he's not, that's blasphemy. If he's claiming to be God and he is, that is not blasphemy. So we believe he's claiming to be God and he is God. But the Pharisees of the day, you know, the ones that didn't believe him, uh, they got wrong. You know, he was convicted of blasphemy, which is why he was on there. But he was not guilty of blasphemy. Them saying he was guilty of blasphemy and murdering him because they say he's guilty of blasphemy no, is wholly different than actually being <clears throat> blasphemous. No, that wasn't that was what I was saying. I was saying that because the sins of man were placed on him, right? The sins of man were placed on him. And then he then was punished for that sin, right? He was punished with the wrath of God. Right? Well then how well then that just follows that someone who was punished by God was found guilty of something. Otherwise, they wouldn't be punished. All of right? mankind so, is guilty. No, okay. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to let Will so, talk, and then McZed came up, because I think maybe he wanted to address this, because he came up right then. But I'll just say, okay, Islamic, you get a parking ticket. I go grab your parking ticket and pay it for you. I am an innocent. I'm not you. I didn't get a parking ticket. Yet, I took it upon myself to bear your guilt. I paid your ticket. A- am I convicted? Sure, I can. I was convicted because I, I took that's it upon a false myself. Analogy, man. But I'm I, no. That's exactly it. He took the sins of the world. He was not guilty of committing. Yet he took. You were not punished, Nate. He paid. 
Nate, for paying my parking ticket, okay, you were, we're not done. punished. Will Deer, go ahead and respond. Will Deer. Sorry, my bird's being noisy. He's being agitated this morning. Along with me. But anyhow, yeah. <laughs> so she, we sent, just like Nate was saying, he didn't commit the crime. He didn't get the speeding ticket. But he paid it for you. So he suffered the consequences for you by paying it, right? But he, in, in order to do that, he had to take the sin upon himself. So he was sinless, and then he had sin on him, right? Correct. So he but became, he wasn't guilty. He became of sin, the crime. right? Yeah, he became guilty, right? He, if you he, accept he responsibility, he did not become guilty. He just took it upon himself. He was Bill sinless. Dear, if you accept, even the Quran, even the Quran says, you know, that Allah is going to send down to you a pure son, a pure. That has nothing so, to do with anything. But what I'm saying uh, is. Even if, look, what I'm saying is when, um, uh, when you accept responsibility for something, you're accepting the guilt as well. You're accepting all of it. If you're accepting the guilt, then you're accepting okay. that you're guilty. Okay, so let's just, let's just say, sure, fine, the way you understand it, great. Okay, now what? Like, what is, what is the point? Sure. Like, if we just concede sure. everything to get this over, what is the ultimate like, point you're making? Yeah, the, the ultimate point I'm making is that you have Jesus Christ, who is supposed to be the greatest man to ever walk the earth, guilty of sin, guilty of the crimes of man. So what were the <clears throat> what were the crimes of man? Man had committed horrible, terrible atrocities, and those atrocities were then um, attributed to Jesus, which to me is blasphemy. To me, that's ridiculous. To me, that's unfair. To to me, to say that the greatest one of the greatest human beings to ever walk the earth was guilty of the sin of murder of the sin of what have you all those things is okay. completely ridiculous noted so that is your understanding and the fact that you know you're like jesus was the greatest man you know is telling so it's just completely contradictory to the christian god just all of it like the worldview the whole way of understanding so where you see it as black blasphemous or like you know how how could God, it's so beneath a sovereign God to come and, you know, eat and, you know, walk around like people and use the bathroom and have to sleep and stuff like that. Uh, not much less be, you know, wrongly accused and take other people's sins upon them. Fine, like, greatest how degrading. How, 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 how greatest man. Wait. Okay. Forget said I said greatest man. man. Forget yeah, I yeah. said greatest man. Let's, let's oh, okay, replace fine. Oh, with wait, wait. Okay. greatest okay. being. Okay, sure, sure. So anyways, how you consider it beneath God. Christians view that as like the unconscionable grace and mercy of God that this deity would do this for his creation, not because of any other reason than, you know, for God's soul of the world. So, you know, include your sins and my sins and everyone else's sins in that, and that will give you a little bit underst a better understanding. So all the, you know, gross, disgusting stuff you've done, Jesus also paid for that and was punished for that. So once you start to view it that way and you think God didn't need to do this, like a sovereign God did not need to do this. But also, who are we to tell God what he can do? So who are we to say, no, no, you can't do that, God? That's so degrading. Like, you can't do that. Really? That's blasphemous to tell God what he can and can't do. So if that's what God did, which he did, then God can do what God wants to do. And thankfully for all of us, that's what he chose to do. But McZed, you've tried to speak for a while. What did you want to say, McZed? Did you want to respond to this? Um, I was responding to... Uh different point but i mean 
it's an odd kind of a claim to say that uh, I'm not guilty of a crime because I'm the creator of everything. I don't think that's exactly what we're saying, but if you didn't want to respond to Islamic, we can we can move on to something else. And also, real fast. No, I'm saying, Chris. I'm saying how do you measure that as a defense? Like, let's say I'm guilty of murder, right? And my defense is I'm the creator of all things. I gave life to this creature, and I killed him because, you know, I'm God. Yeah, make that. I, I can, I can, I can measure... answer this, actually. Make that. Wait, so, hang, hang okay. on. Wait, wait. Stop. Technical point. Chris, against my better judgment, I need to make your moderator. Um, I'm trying to invite uh, Patricia up. But it's not letting me. Could you send Patricia down there and invite pretty please? Yeah, sure. Thank you. All right, so you go ahead and respond okay. to McZed. So McZed, so so if, if George, you know, commits a crime and then I decide I'm gonna serve his prison sentence, everyone knows I didn't actually do the crime. So I'm serving the sentence, I'm accepting it, even though everyone knows I didn't do yeah, you're it. So what's the, the guilt, difference? Right? Okay, uh, I would yes. further, I mean, like, A, this is like a different example of somebody else taking the punishment for you. But, yeah, I also have problems with that. Like, what would the victim say if you just paid someone to take the fall for you? No, no, no. I, if someone's volunteering, that's different than paying them. So it, that so this is a volunteer scenario. They're not being bought off to service a prison sentence. They're volunteering for it. And you're not, you know, it, let's say in this scenario, the person who, let's say two people are, are around when somebody got murdered, but it's your friend who murdered, but for some reason, law enforcement thinks you did it, and you're like, I'm going to take the punishment for my friend. When you're in prison, you're not praying to God, please forgive me for murdering this person. You know you didn't do it. All your friends around know, your family knows you didn't do it. Maybe the law enforcement thinks you did it, but so you're not becoming guilty of the crime. You're not having to repent for the crime. You didn't do it. You're just taking on the sentence so that your friend doesn't have to. And and if I mean if you know if Job and I want to talk to the other people too, <clears throat> but I mean if anything, <clears throat> sorry while I die, if anything can teach us a lesson from Job, uh, you know God is the Potter, we're the clay. Were we around when He created everything? No. So how foolish or how why are we even having this conversation about like morality? Like, oh, OK, we decide that, you know, it's bad. You can't do that. It's unjust. It's not fair. All right. Someone let God know. So it's like, you know, if God did this, which we believe God did do this, if you want justice, great. Don't repent. Don't follow Jesus. And, you know, you will pay for your sins for eternity. If you want justice, go for it. I don't advise it. If you want the mercy and grace of God, then allow Jesus to you know be your scapegoat and stand in your place and take the sin and punishment you deserve, that's just how it is. Like, there's there's nowhere else to go except disagree. And if you disagree, then just like, you know, what, Joshua 24, choose this day who you're going to serve. Some other God, so no me. God, or the God of the Bible. Hang on. Um, there was, who was next? Just Call Me Hinton spoke. They were next in line. Oh, no, I was going to just Nate, I was going to say the same thing as you. I'm like, that's the, that, that's the thing about it. How are you going to question God for dying for you and to pay the penalty for your sins? Like that used to think of it as a, a grace, the, the most uh, be gratitude and, and thankful for what God has done, because we all know that we be we are we all were sent to the slaughterhouse if we had not accept Jesus. And that's the main thing. So would I have if I don't accept right that Jesus died for my sins, would I then be in eternal punishment? Yes. That's the only option. Okay. He said, okay. God so little the word again, so we got a son that whoever should believe him will not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, whoever does not I believe gotcha. him. 
Will Paris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. But so so then why doesn't why doesn't why isn't that if Jesus took my sin, why isn't he being punished in, in uh, for eternity? Because all that had to happen was him to die. His flesh and blood, he was a sacrifice. So people often say, why are we punished for finite crimes? Because Jesus was sinless. He didn't commit crimes. Jesus didn't sin. He paid he for all of my our sin, sins. So, right? No, he didn't. Which means my punishment should go to him. Wait, wait. It, John 3.16, whosoever will. If you're whosoever will, that means if you call on the name of Jesus, if you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life and make you born again, you are one of the whosoever will. If you don't do that, you're paying for your sins all on your own. So Jesus takes the sins of the whosoever will, which clearly at this point in your life is not you. It could be. It could be you right now. It could be you 10 minutes from now. It could be you 10 years from now if you, you, know, if you have that much time. So if you don't repent, if you don't ask Jesus to save you and give you eternal life and pay for your sins, then he won't. So anyways, he didn't pay for like every single sin of every single person and save everyone against their will. Like it's the whosoever wills. Anyway, the point I was going to make, though, is Jesus never sinned. That's why Jesus didn't need to be, you know, uh, punished in hell forever because he's not being punished for his own sins. He's punished for your sins. So he is a sacrifice, you know, just like the sacrifices in the Old Testament. The animals that they were sacrificed didn't. There's no reason to think the animals who, that were sacrificed for the sins of the people went to some hell and are perpetually punished for the sins of people. Like the animals didn't sin, uh, but they took the sins for the people. So when they died, it was done. When Jesus died, it was done. When he says it is finished. If Jesus would have sinned, he'd be perpetually burning in hell. And, you know, we wouldn't have this conversation because God's a lie and God doesn't exist and the universe implodes. But since Jesus never sinned, he took our sin. And when he died, it was done. When we die, we aren't taking the sins of someone else. We are paying for our very own sins if Jesus is not doing it for you. So, like, you know, let's just use, an, as, use you as an example. If you don't repent and ask Jesus to pay for you and you're, you're not one of the whosoever will people, um, then you aren't paying for someone else's sins. You're paying for your own sins, and that's going to be perpetually forever because you're not sinless. You're not God. That's the answer. Yeah. Nate, but today is the day. Yeah. Nate, so I'm, if anyone would like to just repent, say, I'm sorry, Jesus of the Bible, for all the stuff I know I shouldn't be doing, but I've done anyway, I will repent. Please forgive me. Make me one of the whosoever people that you died on the cross to save. Make me one of them. Forgive me. Give me eternal life. Make me born again. I'm willing to believe in your death, burial, and resurrection. You are God. I am yours. Do that. Believe that in humility and sincereness. And congratulations. Now Jesus paid for you. You're one of the whosoever wills. And you've solved the mystery of the universe. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, call me. me. Go ahead. Hang on, Just was saying something, and then we'll go to McZed. Oh, yeah. Just, I, I was disagreeing with you. I, I love that example you talked about, about the animals. The animal wasn't became guilty for your sin. <laughs> That's a good way to think about it. I never really thought of that. All right, uh, McZed, and then we're going to go right to Patricia because she's been waiting a while. McZed. Um, how is your advice any different than an incantation, uh, declare yourself a servant to such and such deity and you'll be saved for all eternity and all of your actions will be blessed. Like what, what makes your pitch any different than everyone claiming a God doing something? Well, I mean, I will tell you my belief. <laughs> I mean, my belief is that it's actually true. So if you're humble, if you're sincere and you know, you approach it from that angle, yes, the God of the universe will live with you and will respond to you. That's my personal opinion. So from the outside look so, from the outside look from the outside looking in just like you asked 
Plot makes it different because everyone would say that. Do what you want. Joshua 24, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Is it going to be the incantation of someone else? Is it going to be, you know, the God of Islam? Is it going to be, you know, your God? Is it going to be no God? Do what you want. From the outside looking in, there you go. So, I would advise search them all out. But if you want my personal opinion, it's so, Jesus. Do that. So you would agree that there is no distinction between you and any other theology claiming that, like, I believe this to be true. Go with it. You you don't think that? Oh, I there's think there's lots actual, of distinctions. Uh, how so? Oh, uh, how not so? Well, as far uh, sorry. I, well, I, I, I mean, want to look at Elisha. Sorry. But but, okay, hang on, real fast. Elisha wait, wait, real fast, because yeah. he asked me. Like, first of all, the resurrection, right? And there's not a whole lot of religions or incantations where their parishioners say, hey, uh, pray directly to our God. Usually it like goes with, hey, do some rites, do some rituals, talk to this priest, talk to this person, do these studies, and you know, you'll find enlightenment, you'll find nirvana, you know, you'll know when God weighs you on the scale. Like, as far as I'm aware, Christianity is the only one that says, hey, all that's great, but you know, you don't need that. Pray directly to our God. Pray directly to the God of the universe. I mean, in the resurrection, like there's not a whole lot of, you know, resurrection stories where there's eyewitnesses and they see him float up into the clouds. So, I mean, there's plenty of differences. Um, little dear, I don't want to be a liar. So I, I said we'd go right to Patricia. But yep. then what I mean uh, to make... say, Nate, <clears throat> hang on, what, what Patricia, to we're is... going to, I know, Patricia. Good morning. Uh, uh, first, yeah, I, I agree with you, Nate. We we just don't have anyone, you know, Jesus, even when he was here on the earth and, and the Jews were questioning, you know, the Jewish leaders of the day were questioning him. John 5, 8, Jesus answered them, I solemnly declare it before Abraham came to be, I am and then we go, this was the name, this was the name God gave himself when he first communicated with Moses, Exodus 3.14. God replied, I am who am. Then he added, this is what you shall tell the Israelites. I am sent me. Now, as far as taking our sins and sorrows, I like this scripture, Isaiah 53.1. He, and this is referring to Jesus. In the future, at the time of Isaiah, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. So he can bear our sins because he's familiar. He, they call him the high priest in the book of Hebrews. He was perfect. None of the other high priests of Judaism of the Old Testament were perfect except Jesus. And it says, and familiar with our suffering. So there's nothing that Jesus is not familiar with. He had to come so he could be fair, you know, and, and, um, the, you know, so the scripture goes on to say that he was just, he was familiar with suffering like one whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. And if we think about it, Jesus, you know, of our understand the Jesus of our understanding the, of the scriptures, he bore our sickness, our sorrows, our sins, 
and he is our high priest. He is the mediator between God and man, the perfect mediator. And we believe as Christians that we can, you know, if I do something today, I can ask Father God, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to please forgive me of what I said to this person or what I did, or, you know. And of course, when you repent, it means to turn away. It doesn't mean you're, you know, you're continually stealing or you're continually living, you know, uh, insulting people. You know, God knows. And it's the same of the Old Testament. That's why they had those sacrifices and things. He knew, God already knew, but that's the way he set it up. Like Nate said, that was the, 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 the way, the covenants, everything, the, the system. He set up the sacrificial system. Was Jesus set up to be a curse? To be cursed uh, he, by he God. He was. Wow. Yes, he was. Wait, 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 in on. Genesis. Wait, wait, hey, Patricia. Yes. Uh, thanks for thanks for that. But I wanted to get to Little Deer too, and then McZed can reply, and then we're going to move to the other people. Uh, Little Deer, what were you saying? If you still remember, I'm just trying to manage all this because lots of people want to talk. Are you speaking Little Deer, or are your birds going crazy? Islamic. I have a okay, question you. How, how do you reconcile? Hey, hey, wait, wait. wait. Uh, McZed was next, and then we're going to do Exodor. McZed, what were you going to say? Uh, when I asked you whether there was a distinction between uh, your understanding of uh, the correct thing to do, i.e. make this declaration to uh, the Nazarene, and you will be absolved of all sin. I asked you how that was different from any pitch, from any shaman, from any village. Uh, and you said, no, there is no real difference. You believe this one to be true. They believe that one to be true. But obviously you see distinctions within the complexity of your system. You know, it's got its own languages and cultures and stories. The, the, what I meant to highlight um, is that there, there's no difference between the two of you in terms of uh, what you're declaring. And it sounds to me like your pitch doesn't arise more than an incantation. Like what you're saying magic words. I could say abracadabra and say that that means I'm accepting upon myself this particular deity that died for all of our sins. And thus I am now free from all blame for all of eternity. But I just said abracadabra, I did it shorter. Well, I think your mis I think your confusion is in the misunderstanding. So I, I never said there was no difference. I said from the outside, look I said from the outside looking in that you may as well consider there's no difference because it's going to sound the same for someone else. I said for myself though, what I believe it's very different and it's not magic words. Like you're not saying like voodoo you, we, again, <clears throat> from the outside looking in, it may look very, very much similar, but from the Christian perspective, it's like you are talking just like if you were Jesus, McZed, if you were like God incarnate here, <clears throat> I wouldn't be saying magic words. I'd be having a conversation with you. I'd be like, you know, McJesus, you know, forgive me. I believe, you know, you did this thing for me. So it's not magic words. I'm asking a request. I'm petitioning you, McZed, to, to do this thing. You're like, all you have to do is call on my name, pray to me, seek me, and you will find me. It's relational. It's conversational. It's not like magic words that you're shooting out to the energy of the universe. Um, so that, that would be a big distinction. So when we pray to Jesus, we're not just throwing this out in the universe. We're specifically communicating with the God of all eternity, we believe. But if someone else says, oh, well, you know, that's what we're doing when we, you know, invoke the mystical powers of Gaia or whatever. Like, give me an example, because, like, as far as magic incantations, like, there is no other singular being I'm aware of. People may really do that to unless it's like theistic Satanists, um, in which case, you know, don't make your bed with that guy. Um, but that, that's what I would 
say. And I mean, I don't think there's anything else to, to go from there. Um, but Exidor, you had a question for Islamic? Yeah, it's a I guess. specific question for uh, Islamic. How do you reconcile your, your ideas if, since you're uh, kind of like uh, questioning the atonement system of Christianity? Before you do that, there's a, how do you reconcile uh, Sahib uh, Muslim 2767, which says, on the day of resurrection, with his sin, with his heavy sins as a mountain, and Allah would forgive them, and he would place their in their stead the Jews and the Christians. So he's placing the sins of the Muslims that are as heavy as mountains on the Jews and the Christians. How do you, uh, what do you have a, what do you respond to that, uh, Islamic? Sure. So first question is, how do we have atonement in our system? Well, it's definitely not killing an innocent man. That's not part of it. What it is, is that every human being is held accountable for what he or she does. So what you have to do is uh, God loves it when we show regret and remorse and we turn over a new leaf. This is what God is looking for. So just like in the Psalms of David, David uh, Psalms uh, 40 verses, I think it was five to seven, uh, where David says, you know, um, since uh, burnt offerings you have not desired, sin sacrifice you have not required, right? So he's saying here, um, now David agrees with me that, you know, instead of doing a sin sacrifice, we can just ask for forgiveness. So this is the Islamic concept. You can feel regret, ask for forgiveness, and God is so merciful that he he under he he understands your regret and he will grant you what you ask him, right? So that's how the Islamic way. Now this hadith that you're talking about, um, I'm not an expert on hadith, but I believe I heard uh, the explanation was uh, for this was basically like whenever someone commits injustice amongst another person, right, or a group or what have you, and that person doesn't have any more sins. To us, has any more good deeds to give to that person because of this injustice on the day of judgment, then what will happen is the sin of the person who was wronged will go upon the person who wronged them, right? So the sin will be transferred simply because the injustice was committed and this person A who committed the injustice, right, is going to have to somehow compensate the person he committed the injustice to, which is person B. And the way that God has does that is he transfers some good deeds from person A to person B. But if that person A doesn't have any more good deeds on him, then what he's going to do, he's going to take the sins from person B and put it on person A, right? So it all has to do with balancing. Yeah, it's like the, yeah, it's like the, well, yeah, not to turn it into an ask a Muslim, but yeah, so I mean, you know, there, there's your answer. There's an answer for everything. So, I mean, the somehow could be a question and then some would call that into a sense and say, which he kind of equaled out with a great justice scales or whatever, but some would say, you know, if no punishment is truly made, like truly atoned for, like at a divinity level, there's no way to get a complete like one for one on these great scales. Like no matter how much you try to balance it, there's always going to be, even if it's like a grain of sand difference, there's never going to be a complete equivocation. Um, anyways, but to not turn this into an Ask a Muslim, but thanks for your response, Islamic, since you were asked the question. Uh, Will, what's up, Will? Hey, what's up, Nate? Hey, uh, Mick said, I have a question, if you don't mind, uh, about what we were talking about. Um, All right, so, well, ask a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> my question is, uh, in the wilderness of Param, when uh, Moses says to Hashem that uh, the Israelites, you know, where Hashem wants to wipe out the Israelites in the wilderness of Param for building a golden calf, 
Did Moses take on responsibility and beg God for mercy for the Israelites? Uh, yes, he uh, got down and prayed that God not kill them all. Um, God said that he was going to destroy them all and fulfill his promise to Abraham through Moses, because that would still be a descendant of Abraham. Uh, he would just sort of like rise to the level of patriarch, and then all the children of the covenant would be from the line of Moses. But Moses um, argued against God. He said that if this were done, uh, it would be just, it would be correct because they all engaged in idolatry. However, Moses said, he said that the nations of the world would see that the great and mighty God of all took out this stiff-necked people into the wilderness and he couldn't make it work with them. He just killed them off. That's all he did. Moses amen, argued amen. that for, basically, from a PR perspective, Moses said that God should not kill the Jews and instead punish them and dole out the punishment for all of eternity. So uh, there's a Jewish teaching that every time uh, the Jews get a punishment, it's some manifestation of that original sin because we're still paying for that one. Amen. And then uh, when, when they got to Israel, when they wanted to invade the city, uh, what, what, it, what was the punishment for Moses? Because the same way that Christ did is that he bore the sin for the entire world, the iniquity of man as a promise to them that he would take on responsibility for their sin and take their sin debt. So what happened to uh, Moses? I'm trying to understand. Invaded? Your question is, what was Moses' sin? No, no, no. What was Moses' punishment? He didn't bear the sin. He's trying to act okay, as so, if Moses took the sin in a similar way. It's okay, okay. Moses, uh, it, it's fine. Moses was punished, but it was because of a particular crime, which is recorded in the five books of Moses. He wrote down the story because that's just what he did. Um, and the story was that he was supposed to, uh, the, the, his sister had just died. His brother uh, uh, was there, not dead yet, but his sister had just died. And his sister... Uh, was sort of a miracle worker for the camp. She was able to identify water. She had a magical ability to bring water to the camp, but she was gone now. And Moses had to deal with the complaints of the Jews who were asking for water, and now his older sister was no longer there. God told him to go speak to a rock and tell the rock to bring forth water for the community. And when Moses did bring the people to the rock and went to the rock, the people were perhaps... Uh, uh, I don't know, unruly. Moses got uh, angry at them and complained that they were complaining. And instead of speaking to the rock, he hit it with a stick. And the idea was that uh, he actually hit it twice. Um, water did come out, which is why it's a whole question as to what happened. It seems the argument is that uh, he was supposed to explain to the Jews uh, with his words how to unlock, like, you know, the miracles. Uh, how to obey the system of the Torah and get the water, you know, symbolically almost always means the Torah. But instead, Moses, the teacher, used his stick. He forced people into the law. He, he got them there. He didn't show them with love. He didn't get them there. Thray. Instead, he implemented and hit the rock. That lesson resonated to the community and uh, is extant within the, the Jewish approach. As a result... Moses was excluded from the land and he died outside of it. Let me make a point about that real fast. I, I know we just I know we just talked earlier about like how we sh shouldn't do symbology, but let me go ahead and do it real fast. 
So like some will say like, you know, instead of like what speaking to the rock that he was supposed to do, but he didn't, he struck it. Some will say that's a parallel to Jesus talking about, you know, out of him will flow uh, like fountains of living water and stuff like that. And, you know, he'll give eternal water and things like that to, you know, a striking or like a crushing of Jesus on the cross. Just saying, interesting parallel. I wouldn't teach you doctrine about it, but it's worth considering. But hang on. I want to say hi to Steph real fast. Steph, say something interesting. I need a break. It's like herding kittens. Lots of people want to talk. Gotcha. Okay. For once. <laughs> well, last night I was playing Roblox like an adult oh, and... Uh, I am listening to Clubhouse, and it had been a ratchet evening on Clubhouse, so I was in a conspiracy theory room, as I tend to do. And but I'm playing Roblox on my phone, so I can't also watch my uh, the Clubhouse app. And then I hear Bubby up there arguing with these people, and then I see Carlton up there asking questions. And it was like the funniest room on Clubhouse ever after that. So that's that's my contribution for this morning. Everyone should. Uh, I wasn't on the stage. I don't have the replays. Okay. Well, if you have the opportunity and you want to hear Carlton ask people about uh, whether COVID originated from pigeons, then I strongly recommend you, you check pigeons out. Pigeons or pangolins? No, pigeons. He went on this whole thing. about. Oh, okay. Is that like how whenever you like start saying stuff about the government, like the birds look at you weird? Well, okay, so that's where I thought he was going with it. And this is what makes it brilliant is that he and I should say these people are very nice, right? Like everybody, nobody was, you know, so so Carlton went up and he's sort of like engaging in the conversation. But he he takes on this role of a person who's curious about, you know, this question and that question. So nobody was being mean. Nobody was like making fun of everybody. But it did end up being a very funny conversation. So he he went up and he started. I thought he was going to go down the birds aren't real track. But instead, he took the. The government tells us that COVID came from bats, but it didn't. It came from pigeons track because the government placed the pigeons and then gave us COVID. I can't do it as well as he did, but it was very compelling. I think that's actually what I believe now. Well, on a, I don't know if this is conspiracy theory, but like I was talking to this guy last night who um, <laughs> in my community, in real life. And, you know, he we were like talking about like government stuff and kind of like bordering on religion. And then he's like, well, what about this? And what about the population? And, you know, why do religious people have a problem with killing people? Because, you know, why do they want to, if they don't want to, like, you know, pay for abortions, but then they want to make people have abortions. I'm like, oh, great. Yes, know your audience, right? So I'm like, okay. He's like, so then what's wrong, uh, you know, with overpopulating? And why don't they just, like, allow abortions to, you know, save overpopulation? And I'm like, that's, if you only have those talking points, it makes sense. If you have any other way to think, then it does not make sense. So, and then we got into, well, you know, the earth can sustain like, you know, eight or nine billion people, something like that, they say. So um, what happens if there's more than that? And then we get into like transhumanism. I'm like, well, for one, the big thing is morality. So like they, you know, they have no problem, uh, you know, like taking care of people at, like a fundamental level, but they have a big problem with excess for like, you know, capable people. And then uh, who, you know, who just don't want to work. People have a problem with that because, you know, the Bible, like if you don't work, you don't eat type thing. And then... Oh, as far as overpopulation, like, why do you want them to force people to have babies? Well, if they're pregnant, a lot of people will see that as murder. So don't do that. Don't murder. He's like, well, we're going to get overpopulated and murder everyone anyways because, you know, the longevity of life. And I'm like, well, not to mention that I think we have a better chance of extincting ourselves before we worry about overpopulation. But uh, even that, then he got on a transhumanism. He's like, well, look, what about scientific blah, 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 and, you know, uploading consciousness. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, look, man, you can't talk about transhumanism advances 
and overpopulation and not consider like at the same time there's parallel technology going on. So look at like SpaceX and Virgin Galactica and all these other things. So if you're going to talk about transhumanism and overpopulation being a problem or, you know, transhumanism, like getting rid of consciousness, you have to also talk about like the potentials for space travel. So at the same time, they're like, oh, no, we're approaching nine billion people. We don't have the resources on the planet to maintain it. What are we going to do? Well, maybe by then it'll be like, hey, we have colonized Mars. So I'm like, you can't rightly think about one and talk about it like it's going to be true without considering the parallel technologies. So overpopulation will not be an issue. We can kick that can down the road uh, probably another 100,000 years until we overpopulate Mars. But that could probably, you know, stain like maybe a couple billion people, depending on how that's managed or terraformed. And maybe then they can, uh, you know, they, they don't have to like travel through light speed. They can invent like a wormhole or something and pop through one of these other Earth-like planets billions of hundreds of billions of light years away they could just pop through it like in an instant so Wait, maybe anyways the point about? is the point is follow jesus and you never have to worry about this that's the point Perfect. steph okay good that's the point did you really not follow that i i was with you until the portals to other planet i no, you lost me somewhere no okay the point the point was uh, uh, the, the point was they were like talking crazy on one hand and I, I was trying to make a point, like, no, if you're going to talk about crazy on one hand, you need to talk about crazy on all hands, like, to kind of, like, set them back on their heels a little bit and be like, oh, you're right. I just need to talk about the here and now because we don't know what we don't know, right? That was that was where I was going in my non-tinfoil hat way. Here's what I know. If you're not concerned about the Georgia Guidestones and the depopulation agenda run by Bill Gates, you are not paying attention. That's the. Do you, have, do you have birds outside your windows right now? No, I don't. They don't come near my property. I have cats to keep the cameras away. <laughs> hey guys, I actually have to get like to movements. work. Do you mind if I ask yes. another question or? Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So this was kind of, you know, going off of what I said before. So we have um, we have a situation in the Bible where you have Jesus who is being cursed by God, right? It all it all culminated into that into that happening, right? The system was devised so that God would take one of the greatest human beings ever and then curse curses that being. So you my said question human being is, again. Yeah, was Jesus 100% human? And 100% God. You just conveniently Correct. the way you're the way you the way you're buzzwording this, just I, I'm trying to let you get through your question, but the way you're like using these words. Are setting up a lot of, of stumbling blocks. Okay, so 100% man, 100% God. I'll mention them like that. How about that? Sure. Okay, so the greatest 100% man and 100% God, uh, right, was now the not only were the sins placed on him, but now he is being cursed by God, right? So this is the plan of God to curse someone whom he loves. And my question is. When God cursed Jesus, did God love Jesus at that point? That's an interesting question. On one hand, without looking into this at all, my knee-jerk reaction is, you know, they always have this love for each other. So if there ever is a question, it would specifically be centered around the, you know, when he says, Father, you know, why have you forsaken me? Because, you know, God turns his back because of the sin that was on Jesus. Um, but I would say, no, that still would not stop his love for Jesus, uh, who also is God, because we're told from the Bible that while we were still at enmity, we were sinners, while we were at war with God, his love for us was such that Jesus would come to die for us. So I'm going to go ahead and say no, even though all this stuff was done, 
that did not interrupt any sort of loving relationship between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, and also we don't want to, to um, Sorry. we don't want to neglect the voluntary aspect here. You know, it, it's yeah, not as though Jesus was. It, well, it's not as though Jesus was taken kicking and kicking and screaming and demanding. No, no, no. Like Jesus is God, and Jesus is making this decision. He's submitting willfully. So it's not as though there's like this hateful, abusive relationship between father and son. Well, they're in, they're of one mind on this. They're in unison on this. Doesn't separation from God, isn't that the penalty? Isn't that what being cursed means? You're separated from God. It, it's specifically for Christ. Like, do you mean? Um, what will do was trying to say something. Dear. Sorry, I was just going to say there's a scripture that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that none should perish but have everlasting life. So, for God so loved the world, we are the world. We're sinners. We're, we're turned our backs against God, but yet he found a way for us to be saved. Yeah, I think respectfully, Lydia, that doesn't have my, my question was does, does uh, when God is when God curses God, does that mean God separated from God? So, are you asking about the physicality of what happened after the crucifixion? Well, when I mean that in your definition of curse, that means to be separated from God, right? Be completely separate. To be Wait, well, that was your definition. Yeah, we're trying to you're work the one with your... Right, you're, wasn't it? you're the oh, one that did no. that. What is, <laughs> you what, said this okay, curse well, means separated. Yeah, we, we never answered. Oh, that's, that's what I definition. read. That's I actually I read. wouldn't I even mistaken. say, like, Nate, do you... I've never heard someone say use it like God cursed Jesus. I think we're trying to work with your language There's here, a verse in the that's... Bible that says he became a curse for us. Yeah, he became yeah, a curse. And there's a thing There's a thing in Exodus that says, like, curse is every man that hangs on cursed as every man that hangs on a tree and stuff like that. So like in a roundabout way, I get why he's making that case, but no, I, I don't think it's ever said that God cursed Jesus. We're just told that the weight of every sin was laid upon him. And hang on, someone keeps asking to come up. I do not see them. Does anyone see someone with like a blank black profile? Yeah. Oh, there he is. Can you, you to... invite that? <clears throat> yeah. Can you invite that person? So, yes, in, so in that too, in this scripture, he's talking about with the curse, it's talking about the condemnation of our sins that Jesus takes on. And a uh, guy who I don't know your name because you're incredibly it's, mysterious. It's, um, me, it's me, Rich. I came up under my Will Smith account just a second ago. I'm back on my main account. Yeah, no, do you want to say anything to this? Yeah, uh, what I was going to say is, you know, for the, the Muslim brother that's on stage, you know, he loved us while we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8. You know, there's still hope for you, buddy. You know, he even loved, you know, Paul. Paul uh, Saul of Tarsus was the worst of worst sinners. I mean, he was killing Christians. You know, there's still hope for you. And he's he's still yearning for you and calling for you to come to him. My friend, and I will don't never come to forget Carlton. That will never happen. Yes, thank you. Well, I'll never don't, say never. Don't forget Carlton. He came up. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Carlton. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to join any politics religion. I'm sorry. Oh goody! It's one of those. Any wait? Did you say any polytheist religion? Um, well, I don't know That's what one that would be. It's not ours. Um, see, that gets that gets into that gets I like can... back to the whole thing, right? Like, right? Like how you're how like we ha try to have like a good faith conversation, and you know you're polite and civil, so that's good. I, I appreciate that. 
but whenever you say things like, you know, for, for only our benefit, because it's like you still see Jesus as a man. So even if for the discussion's sake, it's like, you know, Michael he, down there, he's like an atheist, but he can still like play in our sandbox, right? So it's like, look, I, I don't, I'm an atheist. I don't believe this stuff. But if I did, I can see it from your perspective. So it's like, at least he can get and he can like put on that hat where you're unable or unwilling to. So like, I'm trying, you know, right? you're like, but, but, but you're doing a bad job. So whenever you're like, well, no, you know, the man, <clears throat> but when, but when you're like, you I'm trying to give you an example, I'm trying to give you well, a man. One right? So when you're th saying things that are just like buzzwords or I don't know, gaslighting or something, I hate that term, I'm not doing but it's like, you know, when Jesus was, Jesus was the greatest man, like, well, nothing we say is going to make sense because that's how I you see it. it for you, and, and you, I, I, that's what I'm saying. You're changing it only for our benefit, but the whole time in your head, you're hearing that as yes, Jesus, the man, not God, totally not God, can't be God. I, so then, it, so then it's like, from your point of view, I'm saying you don't believe Jesus as God. So even though you change it to sure, but 100 I'm using God, your point of view, Nate. Oh my not? goodness! Ah, thank you for playing. Stop back again. I'm trying to get through this, and you're not letting me. You say Jesus is the greatest man. We constantly correct you because it's setting up. You're building a tower on like sunken sand. It's not sinking. It's sank. And we're trying to correct you from our point of view so you can build a foundation to have a civil, a, a, a competent discussion on. But you won't let us get there because in your mind, you say, sure, Jesus is 100% God, just like you said. But in your mind, you can't dare to believe that. You can't put yourself in there. Maybe your religion won't let you or something. But so all, all we're talking about, like the grace, the justice, the, the cursing, the weight of every sin, you're seeing that as how can you do that to an innocent human, not thinking that also this is God. God can do whatever God wants to do. It's not the same as punishing like a total only 100% human. You also have the defendy factor. And I don't know if subconsciously you're trying and failing, but that's why we can't communicate. Uh, in, um, in his that's interesting, Nate. That's interesting, Nate. That was a good way uh, you put that. I f I tried to like flesh this out with uh, guidance for uh, in his room, and you're absolutely correct. He won't let you get past the part in the conversation to even uh, start to understand the Christian perspective. But then they'll say, well, we're trying to understand it from the Bible's lens, but they're not really trying to understand it from the Bible's lens because they keep saying, oh, well, how is this justice uh, forsaken the fact that Jesus is God? And not only that is, I asked them, then who was the replacement on the cross? And could he have not, if you don't know, then who could he not have been innocent because they and, have no clue. And I mean, I think they can't because like, that's getting like, like, and I don't, I don't know which one Carlton is Steph. Cause everyone keeps changing their words. Um, so I don't know if, was that Carlton who just spoke or has, yet nah, it's, it's me King. Carlton has I, I mean, what called the fruity dog. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't say hi when I came in, but I, I've been talking to Islamic for a little bit about this exact. Uh, but, yeah, and I and I, I, I mean, I think it's so hard to talk to them though because they can't let themselves even think about that for a conversation. Because if they did, if they like even entertained the notion that that they can be in our world and talk about this, that's getting mm -hmm. like too close to like shirk for them. And you know, they're I mean, you know, depending where they are, they they be like, hey, I had a conversation the other day with some Christians, and you know, I. I don't, I don't believe them. I don't agree with them. But, you know, I, I, I lived in their world. I put their hat on. You know, Jesus was God, and then they're dead. 
<laughs> so it's I mean, I, I get funny, if man. you have such an. I get that it, yeah, it's not funny. It's sad, but I'm like, if you live under such an oppressive religion that you can't have uh, honest conversations, then you know, God help you. And and honestly, uh, the whole thing about an innocent man uh, dying—if they say they have a problem with that, then they have a problem with their Quran because it says if you you were not to sin. If you if if you did everything and you listened to Allah for everything and you didn't sin, it says Allah will sweep you off uh, your feet and replace you with a sinner, sweep a sweep you out of existence. Yeah, yeah that's sweep you sweep you out of existence of existence. So I don't and I don't get what the problem you, is and replace with you with those that would sin. So uh, Michael, I, I, find... I invoked your I invoked your. Oh, I was going to say, uh, Michael, if you had anything to say since I invoked your name earlier. Well, I got to I got to like come in and like disagree. I got to come in hot this morning and disagree because I, I couldn't look at my phone. Morning, everybody, by the way. Um, I couldn't look at my phone right away. But somebody said that, you know, somebody was, quote unquote, the greatest sinner. That's my title. Like, I mean, know your place, man. Um, so, I mean, come on. Uh, no, I've just been I've just been trying to throw you a bone. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I've just been, uh, I've just been listening so far and yeah, it is, um, you know, it is important in conversations that, you know, try to be charitable, which, which kind of reminds me, I was so kind of, or I was a little bit flummoxed yesterday that I had to leave the room and couldn't come back because you were talking to somebody about, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but then somebody on stage, they were talking about the Bible and then somebody else on stage said, yeah, but I could read Harry Potter uh, something, something. And it, it was like the, the, the gist of what I got was basically that, you know, they were saying that, you know, the Bible didn't, you know, uh, the Bible didn't hold any authority for them, but, you know, but, you know, so, you know, kind of tantamount to saying, you know, Harry Potter, um, which is, which is interesting because uh, again, if you, if you want to try to be charitable, you can't, and I, I've said this before, you've heard me say it before, Nate, that like, you can't, you can't use Bible verses, as justification for something when you're talking to someone that doesn't hold the Bible as, uh, you know, and as an authority, but, uh, that, and maybe that's enough of a grenade to get, uh, more things started this morning, but, uh, that's the tamest thing that's been said this morning. Wow. Okay. Well, um, good job, uh, then Michael. I got, you're then the I tamest got one on here. <laughs> then I got nothing. If that's the tamest thing that's been said, I got nothing, man. Oh, it's just obstinance and tediousness. Like, I, I don't know. What do you, mean, a question what do you for, mean by obstinance? Because like I said, I, like, I, I'll be listening for a couple minutes. Well, like the guy we were talking to, like when you just heard him chime in, like that's that's like the second go around. Like he was up here for, I don't know, 30 minutes earlier at least, um, just walking through the crucifixion. And he just would not come to our point of view, right? And it's like, well, I, I mean, you know, I believe everyone should. <laughs> I believe I'm correct. That's why I believe what I believe. But I'm not even appealing to that. I, I'm saying like for this conversation – See it the way we're the way we are explaining it, and disagree with that. Don't build straw man and then try to light those on fire. Like, ex, like let us explain how we believe it, and then disagree with that if you must. Uh, uh, and he wouldn't do that because he kept saying, like, you know, it's like he would not get over this concept. He kept trying to equate, like, you know, Jesus' death on the cross to a completely innocent person, which there are none. But you know, from his point just like you or I, like a natural human being, and then equating that with evil and unjust because 
you know, doing that to Jesus. And it's like, Jesus is not just like you and me. Jesus, uh, you know, was innocent, but he was also God and he wasn't forced. This was willing. This was voluntary. They were always in agreement. The Father, Son, and Spirit, they always knew this was the plan. This is going to happen. So it's wholly different from me sinning, dragging Michael up and forcing Michael to pay for my sins. And he just would not get there. I'm like, look, man, I'm not even trying to convince you of my religion. At this point, I'm just trying to convince you that, you know, this is our point of view. Now take our point of view and disagree with that. So, I mean, that's what I mean by obstinance. And the guy just would not, would not, would not. Um, I mean, geez, it's like you, Michael. If, if I, uh, I mean, perfect example. If you're like, look, the, my position, Michael, is I lack a belief in a God or gods. That's my position. And then instead of saying, you know what, I believe that, you know, deep down, Romans 1, you know there's a God, yet you, you don't know it or you deny it or whatever reason, I'd be like, no, Michael, that's not your position. Your position is you know there's a God. You're like, no, bro, I'm telling you, as honest as I can be, I do not have a belief in a God or gods. And me just saying, okay, I hear you, but you know there's a God. It's like that conversation. Instead of like, okay, Michael, I hear you that you genuinely, as best as you can tell, lack the belief in a God. I hear you. I hear you. Now I will operate from that point of view as though you really lack a belief in a God or gods and then work from there. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And, and there, and uh, I mean, and it is, you know, it's really unfortunate, you know, when people don't have the capacity, you know, to act with a degree of charity and that, and, and that's the point. And I've seen you do it before. And it's what I do it too. We're just kind of like, okay, like I'm, I'm done that. Like, you know, you've, you've, uh, you know, you've tapped out my capacity to, to play, you know, to allow you to play in my sandbox when all you're doing is, you know, trying to deconstruct my sandbox. Um, and that's where like, well, yeah, that's where, that's where at some point, like, um, sorry to cut you off. That's where at some point it's like, you know, usually that's where I'm just like, okay, repent and believe. Or other times, like, you know, this one, we keep letting it play out to, you know, kind of like for the benefit of the audience. So for the benefit of people listening, since, you know, that guy just would not concede to any of our points, uh, you know, not that we're so right and he's so wrong, but again, from our point of view, like disagree from our point of view. Um, so I, I think, you know, people who were honestly wanting to see that conversation play out, they got their answer, especially when someone, well, someone asked him a question at the very, very last, and he's like, no, I'll never believe in your polytheistic religion. It's like, wow, that's so telling. So it's very unfortunate for that guy, but for the people in the audience, it's like he knows good and darn well that Christians do not believe in polytheism. We do not. That may be what he thinks about it, but that is certainly not what Christians think about it. So the fact that that dishonesty, like the most dishonest point of the day, came out right then, that anyone that wanted to hear a conversation between a Christian and a Muslim factually have to be like, wow. <laughs> I, and, you know, doesn't mean like he speaks for all of Islam or we speak for all of Christianity, but goodness, that was a bad representation of a good moral Islamic person. Yeah, and I think and I think it it serves as a as an interesting kind of you know teachable moment, right? Because you'll because you'll see good and bad kind of in all like there there are those, you know, who who wear the Christian mantle, who don't yep. have who seemingly don't have the capacity that, for example, uh, like so many on this stage do. I don't I guess I don't know everybody on the stage. So I'll just speak for you and, and Steph. Um, that you know where they have the capacity to say, okay, like you said. You know, for, you know, for all intents and purposes, I believe what it is that you're saying, just blah, 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 blah. But there are those that is just that will just as obstinately say, no, Romans one says, you know, 
so you know you are simply suppressing the truth and the unrighteousness right in your unrighteousness so there there are also those who wear the christian mantle who will install like i understand what you were saying this person kind of like in like installing a barrier to forwarding conversation there are also the and there are those like in in, in my quote unquote community that will also try to employ less than charitable tactics for lack of a better term in a way to you know try to stalemate things or to frustrate someone into making a concession that allows them to carry on with their storyline if that makes sense it does and uh, there is a while we were talking there's a few people that like raise their hand and i only see a couple so i hope we didn't run them off already but god logic <laughs> it says you're next what's up Peace to the room. Now, I'm just listening, guys. Um, I came up when Islamic Guidance was here, so I was I'm kind of familiar with that guy. Um, he, he's been like running that kind of thought for the past few days. I tried to get at a conversation with him in his room, um, but he wouldn't let me on stage. So I found it interesting that he came in here and was talking to you guys about it. So just tried to catch him finally. But, uh, you know. Couldn't couldn't do it. <laughs> well, uh, sheep, what's up, sheep? Good. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good. I mean, um, I was gonna say the problem with that Muslims um, acting that way is majority of them are. Oh, you're cutting out. Like, uh, oh, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, but it may not last. Try it. Try it one more time. Okay. Um, so I was saying is basically they're trained that way. If you look at any debate of what they do is they attack the belief that they don't even understand and they infringe their understanding on people that don't hold the same view as theirs. Right. But then if you flip that and then you go and ask them in the way that you do, then they basically, you know, push against that. And so it, it is the way they are, and you can't really fight that uh, because many of them do the same thing. Um, and so you just basically have to go through those things over and over again. Yeah. Like Islamic Caesar uh, on this uh, app, Islamic Caesar literally would try to tell you what the Bible is saying. <laughs> what he himself never read the Bible. And so it is kind of dumb and sad to you at the same time. Uh, combating. What's up, combating? Hey, how's it going? Um, good enough. <laughs> How are you? What's up? That's good. Oh, nothing much. I was just listening. I, I missed Islamic. Um, it seems like he destroyed everyone here. Um, but well, I say that's, that's not really what happened. Uh, but yeah, do you have any questions? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just um I'm just wondering like as a Muslim why would a Muslim want to become Christian for example? Cuz they're convinced it's right. Okay, what would convince them that it's right? Praying to Jesus, seeking him with humility and humbleness and sincerity and asking him to save them, forgive them of their sins redeem them, make them born again, give them eternal life, and reveal himself to them. 
And Nate, and then if I you don't mind, I would say not just right, true. Yes. Synonymous, but yes, true. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. But if a Muslim, if he's if he's already praying to Allah, who is the almighty, all-powerful God, who's not like the creation, he's not a human being, he's something that uh, is unique. Why would he then change to pray to a man? Because Christianity is not praying to a man, and we're about to relive this hell um, all over again, and just, you know, plug. If you are a Christian and alive in Christ and your eternal destiny is with our Lord and Savior and God, ultimately, ultimate creator of the universe, this room today is the new closest to hell a Christian will ever be. So um, anyways, no one prays to a man. We pray to Jesus, Yahweh, God, the creator God who is unequal and unmatched. But Muslims, Muslims, we see that as being we see it as being like contradictory because I mean, everyone knows Jesus was a man. So when you just say, well, he wasn't a man, that's just, that doesn't really do much. Well, hang on. So yeah, Michael wanted to say something. Um, yeah. I was yeah so, like, so, Nick, do you well, mind, do you mind if I take this name? Uh, well, in two seconds, I just wanted to give it my horse. Okay. Um, not like it matters, but, you know, for the person in the audience who it may matter for if they want an answer, you know, Philippians 2, 6, Jesus, in, being in very nature God, instead of taking advantage of this position, he humbled himself and took the form of a servant. So Jesus, God that always existed, created everything, became a human and served his purpose, took the sins of the world. So whosoever ask him to save him, forgive him, make him born again and give him eternal life will have all those things will be forgiven. And then Jesus, he was crucified, he died, he was resurrected, and continues existing as he always has as creator God. Uh, but Michael, yes, please, go ahead. Yeah, well, and believe it or not, I was actually, that was actually the Bible verse I was going to go with too. And so, so the, like the, the, the uh, it won't sound particularly charitable, but, but the straw man that's being presented is, oh, you're praying to a man. But Christians believe that, that Jesus was God made flesh, right? So it's not that he was a man. Right. But but to go back to what you were saying before, well, you know, why would someone, uh, you know, go away from praying to the, you know, the all powerful God, Allah, um, and pray to a man, someone, someone a thousand years ago in the Netherlands could look at you and say exactly the same thing and say, why would you turn away from Odin, the all father to, to, to pray to this other God? Yeah, that's not the same comparison because we don't pray to a man. We don't pray to something created. We well, pray to who Odin, we say is Odin the creator. And according to uh, Norse mythology, Odin is not a man. Odin is a god. I, I didn't say Odin was a man. What I'm telling you is that's not a fair comparison because I'm saying the Muslims, what we're saying is we pray to the creator. You're yeah, telling so us to not pray to, to, to the creator, pray to a man. But you're okay. so this conversation the Christian believes because the Christian believes that Jesus is God. The Christian doesn't believe they're praying to a God. He, he knows, he knows this. To a God. We, we've had, I, I we've know, had so I many, know what the Christians we, believe. We've had, we've wait, had so many conversations yeah, with, yeah, him. yeah. Hang, hang on, hang on, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, we're not doing the Islamic command or whatever that was 2.0. Like, yeah, that I mean, that's our view. It's ask a Christian, it's answered. If we say Jesus is God, Jesus is creator, and you say Jesus is man, we say Jesus is creator, and you say Jesus is a man. 
you are not equipped to have a sincere conversation. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> some, someone in someone in chess says, Nate is, uh, where'd they go? Nate is always emotional. He needs to just stay and preach in the churches. Am I? Am I that emotional? Maybe I should work on that. I usually don't like emotion. Anyway, um, let's see. Who was next? Jacob. Uh, Jacob, I think I skipped you. Sorry, Jacob. Did you have anything to say? So is, is that how you yeah, convince was... Muslims? You... What's that? Bye. Uh, Jacob. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, interested in that conversation you were having earlier. Oh, just watch the beginning. About... Uh, just watch the beginning of this con- uh, podcast yeah. because the last two hours are exactly the same as this conversation. So if you're interested in that, just watch from the beginning. You'll have two hours of this nonsense. But yeah, go ahead, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Not just that. Like, like they, you, you were like um, maybe like stating that some Muslim or somebody wouldn't accept your um with respect to this vicarious uh, liability thing you know the one where oh how come a man is killed for for the sins of another person and you were trying to like explain like well jesus is different jesus is special and you wouldn't require like a random person to be killed for your sins right so i don't know how the guy phrased that right but if they're just saying that more, 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 morally, that doesn't appeal to them. Then that 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 should be okay for them to say that. You can say Jesus is a different type of person; he could be sacrificed, and that that's how the Christian story goes. But they can still say that they see that as morally repugnant for another person to be killed for someone else's sin, and that should be okay for them to say. Is what I think. Yeah, say whatever you want. Um, yeah, it just just makes me like feel like you know either they are unwilling or unable to understand. Or I'm a really bad communicator when I say Jesus is God. It is not the same as you or me being sacrificed for some other person's sin. Um, And then they hear that exactly backwards. So I think, well, am I really bad at explaining that that is not the same? Like when I say that is not the same, they hear that is exactly the same. Um, Or it's it's like I, I just want them to acknowledge like, yes, I get it. You don't believe it's the same. I do. It's morally repugnant. I'm going to do what I want. I'm like, okay, great. I mean, you should believe my way, but if you don't, then, you know, totally live your life however you want. Like Joshua 24, right? It's like, uh, choose this day who you're going to serve. It it even says if, if like this God, the God of the Bible, if it seems evil for you to serve this God, then, you know, serve no God, go serve the gods of your ancestors. Like go serve a demon God as if that's somehow less evil. So yeah, it's like, choose this day, make your choice. Um, but goodness, I at least want to like do my, do my fair, fair, I want to give it the college try of at least making them understand what Christians actually believe and have them disregard that instead of what they misconstrue and think Christians believe. So that's that's my real dog in this fight is, look, this yeah, is Jesus. Okay. Jesus is God. So, yeah. I'll just say this to end. Like, I think, yeah, they might have been conducting it in a wrong way because they shouldn't have been like they should grant you if you want to say there's some difference. From between Jesus and just killing a random man, they should grant you that, and then they can then say that still for them, that's still morally repugnant. I think they can still say that, you know. Yeah, so, uh, I, I leave it there anyway. I, I'm going to let you uh, talk to a pimp. So go ahead, Steph. A pimp, oh, what is your question um, for uh, Steph? No, go ahead. Uh, this was God Logic's request that some more Muslims be brought to stage. So I will uh, hand my time over to him. Oh well, hang on. Is is a pimp a Muslim? Because uh, yeah. like, wait, the yes. only Muslim on stage. Yeah. I'm oh, okay. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, God logic and and uh, the Muslims, go ahead. No, have fun. All right, Avery Austin, Nathaniel Jr. All right, what is your question, Mister Jr.? Oh, I got a question first. But you got a question? You going ahead and ask me? That's the question. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say that the Bible says that Jesus says, "I am God and worship me." That would be the best evidence. Oh, hang oh, on. I can't do that, bro. But can I ask my question first? Yeah, sure. I'm going to bow out. Nate is a white supremacist. People like him have convicted God, um, have convinced God logic that uh, he likes to love Christianity. Um, well, don't know what else to say except cite your evidence. So, you I know. knew God logic was a white supremacist. Yes, and, and I'd also like to point out You know, I'm 0.02% percent black. Yeah, well, God Logic was convinced by Nate himself in this very room just yesterday. Uh, Nate was instrumental in God Logic's coming to faith via his white supremacy. So that argument totally stands up. I need to see that replay. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> but the replay's been corrupted. Mm-hmm. All right, what's going on? Was was God Logic asking? <laughs> Wait, only the parts you disagree with, only right? The like, like the replay is good; it should be listened to. But the parts of the replay you disagree with, those are the only parts exactly, that are corrupted. Exactly. God Logic, were you asking? Were you asking uh, Pimp a question, or was it the other way around? Think, Some, someone take over. Pimp is uh, asking a question. Yeah. I have to go. And Logic's okay. going to handle it. Yep. Yeah. Well, this is an average question, right? Really, I'm really what is that? We're going that. But just to be clear, everyone up in this room is uh, Protestant, right? Oh no, this this is not my audience directly. I know Logic's uh, Protestant. I think right? everyone on the stage is Protestant. All right, cool, 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 cool. Now here's my question. Should I ask a question? A question. Exactly. I'm up. I got a dog. Um, how do y'all pray? That's what I would like to know. How do you do? Y'all pray like Jesus or no? That's what I would like to know. Like, yeah, I pray exactly like Jesus. Yes or no? We pray. I've seen how we, we pray a lot of ways. Jesus prayed. Ways. Jesus prayed standing up. He prayed walking. Mm-hmm. He prayed sitting. Uh, he prayed with his head bowed to the ground. Um, so there's, okay. there's many ways that he prayed. One consistent way is that he prayed calling God his Father, which we address God as our Father. Do you do you pray like Jesus? Do I pray like Jesus? Hold on, I got. My bad, I told you I got tall. Do I pray like Jesus? Absolutely. I uh, pray my face down around like he did. I pray like the Ethiopians. You know, they pray just like Jesus. They pray like Muslims. So you, so you, you call pray God, like a Jew. So you call God your father in your prayers? Do I guide my father in my prayers? That's funny. The Muslims don't have a father. Say you that know, again. We say Allah. Muslims, we don't have a father. But Jesus prayed like a Jew, did he not? Well, yeah. So Jesus in his prayers is what I'm saying. He called God his father. That's how he prayed ritually and consistently. So when you say that you pray like Jesus, that means that you call God your father in your prayers, right? Hmm. See, we don't say that. Most. Why would we say uh, father? We say Allah. Well, well because you're oh, so, not our father. So that means that you don't pray like Jesus, but we do. So Jesus, a Jew, calling God Allah father. or Yahweh. I want to say Yahweh. Forget Yahweh. He calls him father. I don't know. Right? God's the father. Well, that's what the New Testament says. I can't disagree with the New Testament, what it says. But it goes right. to the Old Testament. I don't remember ever seeing a Jew calling Adonai father. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 6. Moses says that Yahweh is our father who created us. 
I would just say that. I like that verse. Thank you. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy what? 22? Deuteronomy 32. 32 verse, verse, verse 6. Uh, let me check right quick. Go to Safari. Oh, lucky enough, I'm already in Deuteronomy 29. All right. Deuteronomy 22 verse what again? My, my apologies. 32. Deuteronomy 32. Only see, goes, Safari only goes up to 29. <clears throat> That's because Safari is using what is called somewhat of a paraphrase in JPS. Oh, they basically being nice in English. I get your point. Uh, appreciate that. So, thank you for explaining that. So, do you think that different sects don't teach that? Because when I look at the Ethiopian Christians, don't they pray one. definitely, definitely, differently, just like the Coptics as well, my man. So, do you think... Um, that y'all pray the correct way as a whole Christian unit, or there, differently. There, there is no, there is no specific ritual, correct way to pray or incorrect way to pray. Um, you can pray many different ways, as long as you are directing your prayer to God, um, in sincerity with your heart, you're fine. Really. I I was this is my I I'm not being funny I'm being dead serious I've never been told about Christmas so this is definitely uh this is definitely new to me I'm not being I'm being I'm not being funny I'm really being serious I this is I new believe to me. You. I, know, I know I know I believe you so hmm where where he go I'm right here oh I modded him sorry oh, oh thanks Steph I feel the power now <laughs> yes I was quite confused all right so. Upon the sex, right? Do you think they gave the right teachings? Just God, I remember going to a Baptist church. They weren't teaching the correct way. So what do you have to say for the sex? Going to a white church. Uh, I remember going to a Baptist church when I was younger. So do you think like different? If somehow you guys have kept listening this long, let me just address this. It's all I can take. I'm leaving my own room. There is no quick, correct way to pray physically, like standing, sitting, laying, prostrate, uh, you know, laying down. Uh, you know, face down, butt up in the air, or whatever, or kneeling, or bowing. There is no physical way to pray that's correct. Kneeling at your bed with your hands clasped. Um, there's no certain way to pray. However, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer from the sincerity of heart and says, you should pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, glory, and power forever. Amen. And for the record, that last little for the kingdom, glory, and power, amen, is not included in all early manuscripts. Nonetheless, that is the Lord's Prayer. So, we pray with humility, sincerity, supplication to God. Um, our Father already knows what we want, says the Bible. So, we express gratitude and gratefulness and not use God as a piggy bank or a genie in a bottle. Anyway, that is how we pray. So, take care and see you all later.